You're listening to Happy and Holy, the podcast created to help you reorient your life around Jesus, His people, and His mission. Because you don't have a spiritual life, your life is spiritual. You just have to learn to see it that way. I'm your host and mentor, Kate Boyd, and it's time to put on our Jesus goggles and dive in to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Happy and Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyd, and I am excited to have you with us today um, for another episode. And this is a really important topic for the moment, um, but just for life in general, because I think we're going to be coming up against this question a lot in, you know, the next few years. And so I think it's really important that we wrap our brains around um, gospel and justice. So that's really what we're going to talk about today. Is it really gospel versus justice? Because if you're like me and you've hung out at all on social media, um, especially in these times with the Black Lives Matter movement popping up and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so we're talking about masks and caring for each other by wearing masks or not wearing masks and What's the right thing? This is maybe a question you found rattling around in your head the last couple of months. Maybe it's even been a couple of years, right? I know it has been for me. And so if that's the case, I hope this episode eases your mind and helps you see how they actually work hand in hand beautifully for the glory of God and the growth of his kingdom. Um, In college... I'm going to start with a little story, story time. In college, I worked for a Christian cheerleading organization. We packed up in vans and cars over the summer and drove from state to state to put on camps for private schools. Our goal was, of course, to provide quality cheerleading instruction, but it was also the heart of the organization was outreach, right? To bring people to Jesus, to um, create revival through cheerleading. And each morning and evening, we had devotionals with worship and teaching and fun skits. Um, And it was really fun. It was like cheerleading camp with church camp tacked on. What I remember clearly is when our mission was explained to us as, you know, new staff members or every year when we would come for our staff work week, leadership would always say, the cheerleading is what gives us credibility and builds the relationships that allow us to share Christ. That outward expression and competence is what earned us a way into the gospel. They worked together for us. And that's an idea that I've really carried into a lot of spaces in my life, Um, partly because I'm an Enneagram 5 and competence is like my jam. (laughs) It's what I want. But that's the question I ask myself. Where can I be competent and service-oriented to earn the relationship that leads to spiritual conversations? Um, And so that's not exactly a justice and gospel conversation, but I think it has some of the same roots. And I certainly no longer look at doing things well merely as a way to talk about Jesus. I see them now as an outpouring of God's presence in my life. You know, I do work well. I take care of others and I share Jesus because of the Holy Spirit's work in me. Um, It's not just a means to an end, right? It is part of the end. Um, And I think the Bible makes it pretty clear that this is the way of things. So before we go much further, we really need to ask ourselves, what do gospel and social justice even mean, right? And that, friend, is an excellent question Um, because when people on the internet begin slinging these terms around, the definitions come to mean any number of things. 
So maybe when we have these discussions, that's our first question, right? What are the definitions from which you're operating? And then we can figure it out. But for the purpose of our discussion, here's how I will define them, okay? Just to give you a framework for where I'm coming from. So the gospel, we'll start there. The gospel is the redemptive story of humanity that begins in Eden, where God made humans, placed them to be in fellowship with him, and humans colossally messed it up. We're great at that, right? I'm great at that personally. But Jesus makes it right, right? He took what we messed up and he bore it on the cross. He lived the perfect life and he sacrificed himself for us. In doing so, he hit reset on our relationship with God and took away the sins and mess ups that keep us from him. We are now active partners when we accept the gift on his behalf on his gift on our behalf we become active partners in how God is restoring humanity and the earth for eternity. So the gospel is what we base our salvation on. So social justice by our definition is something like this the work of righting wrongs and creating equity on earth by actively serving and meeting needs individually and collectively and that's individually like person to person and individually to collective systems, as well as collectively to individuals, if that makes sense. So it can be your church helping individuals. It can also be you fighting bad systems, right? And this usually looks like serving the most vulnerable and marginalized, whether that's the poor, or we're talking now a lot about people of color, black people, um, indigenous people here in the states that are are dealing with racism and things like that, and others who suffer oppression um, within societies, um, or even just around us. Maybe anybody who's having a challenge, right? Maybe it's not oppression, but somebody who's suffering. Um, it is enacted. Social justice is enacted in the way we individually treat others and give up, give to others as well as working against oppressive systems. So it's both and, in my definition anyway. And this is our work as believers in the restoration of the world alongside God. It is how we bring on earth as it is, as it is in heaven into reality. It is not, however, something that must be done to obtain salvation. Rather, I see it as something we often become compelled to do because of our salvation and our closeness to God. And so when you look at my definitions anyway, you wonder why is there tension between these two things? And maybe you don't struggle with this at all. Maybe you just need um, someone else that feels the same way or someone else to talk to or to think through it with you. And that's really why I'm doing this episode. Um, Because there is tension in these two things. And I, I do think that even in our lives, there's tension in these things. Um, but certainly in culture at large at the moment, there's tension in these things. And I think there will always be tension in something. I think that's part of the curse of the fall. The way we interact with each other in the world has been tainted. Um, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit alone that we can make a change. And that begins when he indwells us at salvation. So these two things for sure rely on each other in a lot of ways. Um, you can still do good things without being saved. We see that a lot, but it's a different level of that, right? We lose that spiritual dimension, um, which is important too, because we're not just physical beings, right? And I think this tension that we live in today or, or that we're, we're seeing a struggle against is, um, really comes down to 
two main questions. Um, the first is what what which comes first or which is the priority? And the second is what is the best way to express our faith in the public square? So let's start with the first question. It's really hard to answer, <laughs> right? Because on the one hand, we know that spiritually our needs are great, right? If you're a believer, you know how deep your spiritual you know, depravity is, for lack of a better word, the, the, the need to be saved from yourself and your sin exists and it's hard, it's deep, and it's unchangeable outside of Christ. Um, and, you know, if you believe in eternal separation from God after life, there are more than earthly consequences to wrong spiritual paths. So this puts a lot of urgency um, behind behind spiritual needs, right? And on the other hand, we know that people are dying every day of real challenges. Um, and so you may find yourself asking questions like, can we even hope to help them spiritually if they have a physical need? What if they don't, what if not meeting their physical need, you know, leads to loss of life and you can't meet their spiritual need? Or do you need to meet their spiritual need first because, you know, they might lose their life and then you can meet the physical need if there's time, right? Um, there's just like so many questions and I understand this tension, um, you know, and on this hand of physical needs, you know, there is some reason to put them first to gain trust access or time to get to share. So this reality is here that both are true and the tension is great and we balance it every day and we're like feeling pulled from one way to the other. And the answer I'm afraid is that it depends which one comes first, right? Because every person, situation, or need is different. We have to be able to assess and discern what needs to happen on the spot. And that's why the Holy Spirit is with us. That's why it's great and that's why we need to be rooted in those anchor habits like being in God's word and being in community so we can have that the spirit growing in us right um regularly so that we feel tuned into that to that and are able to discern um so you kind of got to go on the spot then then the second question that i think really brings this tension between gospel and justice together is what is the best way to express express our faith in the public square? Um, which really just means how what's the best way to express our, express our values, right? How do we show that we're different from the world? This is the question that's behind it. And I think, I think that most of us have the right heart in this, right? And I'm asking these questions specifically because I'm assuming the best in the people um, with which I'm having these discussions. There are a lot of other things that can be at play. Um, but if I'm if I'm being generous in my assumptions, which I think is important, um, or ask or if I'm, you know, these are questions that are good to ask, right? So that you know and you're having more of a discussion or you know which way to shape the discussion versus like just spewing things, which I'm also guilty of. Um, so the question really becomes, how do we show that we're different from the world, right? That's what's in their head. That's what's in their heart. And that's what's in ours too, right? So how do we do that? Do we legislate? Do we preach? Do we give? What do we do? And the hard part is that there isn't one answer. <laughs> we keep trying to pick a side. It's this or that but it's likely all of the above at the same time. 
There is no binary. There is no dichotomy. The way we show our differences is in word and deed, right? This is not an either or. When our hearts are changed, the way we show our heart comes forward. Um, and Jesus talks about this a bit, right? He says in Luke 6, 45, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. What we do and say shows what's inside. So instead of setting up this dichotomy, we need to actually embrace the tension because our world needs both. And the way of the kingdom requires both. Because the kingdom is not of this world yet, but someday it will be. So we have to participate in that. So how do we approach this then, right? Because there's so many things happening. How do we approach this? And I want to just start by setting the scene in a couple of ways. And the first one is by just reiterating to you and to anyone that you're discussing this with is that spiritual justice has already been given to all believers, right? So justice is already a part of our lives as believers. Remember when we talked about the fall and the curse that happened because of sin, disobedience to God, right? Um, Turning away from God's plan. And I often look back at just in disdain at Adam and Eve personally, like you had one job, right? (laughs) You know, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard. But though we may entertain the idea that we would do better, it doesn't change the reality that we were affected even now by those mistakes made back then. Um, And even now we bear those consequences. We committed a sin or a crime against God's commands or his law, right? And that sin had consequences. And in order to achieve justice, it meant that we we wouldn't be able to be with God ever again. Um, Not that close and not forever, but God paid the price, right? He made temporary ways through sacrifices, but that wasn't good enough for God. He wanted us, you know, forever and close. So he paid the price through Jesus. Jesus was in essence our sub, like our designated hitter for lack. uh, Yeah, that's a really poor illustration, but you get what I'm saying. He was our sub. He served our time and he made it possible to wipe our slate clean. And this is actually what theologians call justification, which is the removal of our guilt and sin and being made righteous or put right again before God. So now we are back at righteous standing despite all of our sin. Better yet, it does so for all the sin we commit past, present, and future. We just have to accept this, you know, this gift. And this is justice on our behalf. Um you know, it's grace and mercy. It's unmerited favor. It's not getting what we deserve. Um, It's all of those things. It allows us to reconcile with God and have fellowship with him. In fact, once you're a believer, he lives in you. That's how close we are to God now. It's not just the garden. He's in in our presence, in our being. We are now reconciled to God and we are now entrusted with sharing reconciliation with others. So here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, I'm looking at verses 17 through 21 if you want to see. And it says, Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. 
we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we are righteous now and we're entrusted with this message of spiritual justice. And with the Holy Spirit's presence, we are now prompted to do God's work in the world. We are part of the work of making the world whole, right? We are ambassadors, which is also known as justice. Um, recently my church was allowed to stream a Tony Evans, um, sermon from his church and in it, and he talked about justice and righteousness and, um, in it, he said, righteousness and justice are twin pillars. And I just love that illustration, right? It's like the two things that hold up the house of the, of the believer of our, the life that we live, right? It's righteousness is being made right. And justice, which is kind of like love and action, which is like righteousness and action, right? The making of righteousness in the world. And scripture makes it clear that justice is a priority for God. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are at least 2,000 verses about what would be called social justice today in the Bible. (laughs) The prophets from the Old Testament are mostly where they're from. They are full of verses about caring for the oppressed, forgiving debts, Um, resetting the priorities of care for our world and those around us. Their goal, their job as a prophet was to call people back to God, to call out the ways that they were sinning. And yeah, there was idolatry and there was worship, but they were also calling out, you know, major ways that they had failed, failed the people around them, their poor treatment of people individually and systemically, the things that they had set up to happen. Um, Jesus brought up these kinds of things too. His life is an example. Um, in his early days of ministry, when he would enter a city, he would first heal and then he would preach. Um, the first time he revealed who he was, he um, and then the first person he converted to Christianity, <laughs> you know, besides maybe the disciples who were there, but his first like start of his ministry happened with a Samaritan woman who was a mar- and these were like Samaritan women were marginalized race and a marginalized gender of the time. These weren't small deals. These were big, big deals, okay? Um, And even as you read through the Gospels, you even see that, you know, some of the disciples chastising people for buying things or doing things for Jesus um, because they could have sold stuff and, and given money to the poor, right? given it to them, their collection for the poor, so they would do that. So you could see some of those reactions as though that was an expectation. Now, in those circumstances, Jesus obviously was like, no, this is okay. This is what should be done. But it sort of presupposes that that was something that they did, (laughs) right? Um, And that's part of what Jesus' ministry on earth looked like. And that was just what he did. This is what he said, right? In Luke, there's a whole section in Luke, or sorry, Matthew. Um, He also has some Beatitudes in Luke, which really raise up the poor and and talk about hypocrisy. But he really gets into it in Matthew um, 22 or 23, where he talks about um, a lot of hypocrisy, especially with the scribes and Pharisees. Like these, they were big, um, you know, major leaders in the day. And he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Okay. So they do the letter of the law, the tithe mint 
deal and cumin, like whatever it is that they need to give, but they neglected the weightier matters, which are justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. It's about both of those sides, the things that made them righteous, which was the law at the time, and the justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are things that are meant to go together. Um, And calling back to the prophets, we hear all the time the verse, you know, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what is the Lord, what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God, Micah 6, 8. Um, So there may be tension, but there is no choice between justice and gospel. Loving others and loving God, these are two sides of the same coin. Um, and in, and in Luke, um, which is one of my favorite gospels. So, I mean, I like them all, but Luke is definitely up there for me. Um, we really see this illustrated when he talks about the two greatest commandments and then he tells a story. Okay. So I'm going to read you these verses from Luke 10, um, starting in verse 25 and through 37. It's a very familiar story, but I want you to listen. Um, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So justify. So he wanted to make himself look better, right? He wanted to make sure that he was checking the right boxes and he wanted to sort of show how he was checking the right boxes. So he asked him, who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and remember we talked about Samaritans. They did not like Samaritans. Um, They were, you know, a marginalized race in the time. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. So then Jesus asked, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him. He said, Then Jesus told him, Go and do the same. And that's really my charge for you is to go and do the same. It's our job to balance this tension between the gospel and justice because Jesus did. To fight the narrative and the temptation that to do one is to reject or lower the other in importance. To allow the spirit and our relationships to guide us in leaning into whichever side needs to win out in every moment because both bring glory to God and life to those around us. Our faith in Jesus and empowerment of the Holy Spirit are what actually enable us to break through the barrier that keep heaven and earth from coming together. 
And it now comes together in us and through us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We literally carry heaven with us, which means we carry heavenly values into the world in which we live. And that means we carry the spiritual and physical justice to every part of the world we possibly can. And just like Jesus bringing justice to us, it will often mean sacrifice. But it's worth it. It matters and it makes a difference. I'm curious to hear from you if you have found a tension between gospel and justice in your spheres of influence. Are these conversations that you're having? Um, leave a comment and let me know because uh, I'd love to chat with you about this and see where you're at or what you're hearing from people if it's as common as the things that I'm hearing. I'd also like to invite you that if you are feeling kind of worn down by everything, (laughs) right? And you just kind of want to refocus your faith and you want to refocus on Jesus because we've talked obviously so much about him. um, I'd like to invite you to spend 30 days with Jesus Um, and you can leave behind what you think you know or don't know. Um, You know, you can leave your expectations at the door and just lean in and look lovingly at Jesus. There's no better time to start than today and no better place to start than with the gospels. Um, and so I created gospels in a month, which is free. It's a 30 day email and Facebook group experience, and you'll get daily prompts to finally have accountability, um, to really anchor yourself in the word every day. So you finish the gospels in just 30 days. It's just three chapters a day. So it's 15 minutes ish, right? And it helps you establish your daily Bible reading habit, which will keep you grounded in the craziness of our world. Um, You also have a private Facebook group, so you have a safe space to ask questions, process what you see Jesus do, and share your own insights because you have the Holy Spirit, so you're going to have them, and we're excited to see them. Um, And it'll also help you develop confidence in your ability to read the Bible. Um, I give you some of my favorite tools so that you can look them up. You can look up things when you have questions, so you really get a familiarity with what you're reading Um, And then, of course, you can ask your questions, and I and other group members are happy to uh, bring you answers as far as we can or point you to resources that can really help. And, of course, you'll have a community of other believers to connect to and learn with um, as we all work toward being more like Jesus by reading about him. It's totally free. You can join in the experience today so you can anchor your faith to Jesus by walking through his life in the next 30 days days. Um, and you can do that at kateboyd.co slash gospels. You can refocus your faith and your life and really just let the beauty of Jesus wash over you. And that's all I have for you today. Thanks for joining me for another episode of happy and holy. If you're so inclined, you can leave a review on your favorite podcast player to help more people find and learn alongside of us. See you next time.